0: If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, John's standing back at the table, and you can wave at John, and he'll give you one. Um, But we're in Luke chapter 10, if you're in the New Testament. It's the third book, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Uh, We're going to finish up Luke chapter 10 this morning. Uh, Next Sunday, we'll kind of mark the rough Uh, two-year anniversary of us moving to this location. And so we usually try to take that opportunity to remember sort of why we moved and remember why this church exists and what we're seeking to do. And so we'll take a time to sort of step back from the book of Luke and think on why we are here. What's the purpose of Grace Fellowship Church, especially in this location and neighborhood and um, how is God leading us here. So we'll do that next Sunday. Uh, Sunday after that is uh, Easter. And so we'll obviously focus on the resurrection and think on that. And the following Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, Matt will be preaching for us. He's doing his applied ministry at Southern and uh, is seeking to go into ministry. And so we want to Give opportunities. We have a responsibility as a church to raise up leaders, um, and so we want to give him the opportunity to preach. And so I encourage you to be here uh, with a smile on your face and encouragement for Matt. So that'll be that's kind of where we where we are going forward. But this morning we're in Luke chapter ten, verses thirty eight through forty two. Uh, I think there's a desire in life to find um, one thing. Uh, there's all these gimmicks where you can find one thing that's going to solve all your problems. So it's it's a diet, right? Here's the diet. If you don't eat this one thing, you will lose weight. Or if you eat this one thing, you will be healthy for the rest of your life, you know. Um, or there's leadership principles, all these leadership books. There's tons of leadership books and they will all tell you about the one thing that you need to be an effective leader and, and they're all different, you know. So well what is the true one thing? So we're looking for this 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 one. Thing or maybe it's um, parenting. I'm sure James and Abby will be trying to figure this out. And if you figure it out, tell me what's the what's the one trick, the one thing that we need to do to be effective parents. Last week we looked at this expert in the law that comes to Jesus, and he asks Jesus a question. He says, "What must I do to inherit, to gain eternal life?" And Jesus says. Well, you're the expert in the law, you tell me. And the man says, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. and You need to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, that's, that's right. But the man has struggles with that, that idea of loving his neighbor. How do I love my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor as myself? And so he, he asks some questions, and we slowly understand what that means. Um, But then the the question that that we don't, that's not answered in that is is kind of answered in this next part. We understand what it now is to to love neighbor, but but what does it look like to love God? How do we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? What is is necessary to love God? It's kind of a... the the passage here, if you can see the context then, so the the Good Samaritan answers the question, how do I love my neighbor? And verses 38 through 42 are going to answer, how do I love God? Um, What's necessary to love God? And the wonderful thing that we find in verses 38 through 42 is that it takes one thing. There's one thing necessary to love God is what Jesus is going to tell us here. It's not not many things. You know, we like to complicate matters. And what does it mean to love God? And we get a a list of a hundred things. And Jesus says, no, it's just just one thing. There's one thing that's necessary. And I think the main idea that Jesus would say to us this morning is, to love God, we must listen to Jesus. That's kind of, I think, the main idea. And, And let's look at it together. Mind this with me. Don't just take my word for it. But to love God, we must listen to Jesus. One thing is necessary. The, the context also of this, just whenever we see a passage like this verses thirty eight through forty two we want to say well why why is this here? Why did Luke put this particular story in this particular place after the Good Samaritan and in this whole context and and what we find is that jesus is is combating this idea of of doing that that, that relationship with God is all about what we do for him. so if you remember the the disciples the seventy two come back and they say, Lord, the demons." Believe, were, we're were cast out in your name. We were able to do that. And Jesus says, that's good, you, you did a great thing, but remember, rejoice primarily in this, that your names are written in heaven. It's not primarily what you do, it's primarily what I, what I have done. That's what you should get most excited about. And then he, he hits on the, the wise and the understanding, those that think they're great because they can do a lot of stuff. And he says, you know, it's not really the wise and the understanding that understand the kingdom, it's, it's children. It's children who just love me. Um. And then with the with this lawyer, as he asks, who is my neighbor? Jesus, in a sense, says, your neighbor is anyone and you are to do anything for them. And that's the principle. And the lawyer realizes, I can't do that. That's, that's impossible for me to do. And Jesus says, yeah, that's, that's the point. I will do it for you. And so it's not about what you do. And so here we're going to see that same idea again of someone saying, here, Jesus, will you love me because of what I can do for you? And Jesus sort of says, no, that, that's not what it's about, Martha. Let's read the passage together. This is probably a familiar passage to you. It's found only here in Luke. Um, whenever I find that, you know, Luke says he compiled his account from eyewitnesses. I just, oh, whenever it's just Luke, I just... It pops into my head, I wonder I wonder if Luke sat down and talked to Martha and Mary, and, and they told him this story, and he said, well, that's a great story. I need to include that in my gospel. So I don't know if that's true or not, um, but let's read the story together. Verse 38 of Luke chapter 10. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet. And listen to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. The, the passage is a, is a contrast between a couple of individuals. There's really three characters in the story, right? We've got Mary... We've got Martha, and we have Jesus. And so it's this, this story of the interaction between um, these two women and and Jesus. Now, we know from John that this family was well known to Jesus. He, he loved them. We can actually assume probably that that their brother, Lazarus, was here. Now, when you hear Lazarus, you know who Lazarus was. Lazarus, in, in John chapter 11, is the man who had died and was Jesus' friend. And Jesus comes after he's been dead for four days and raises him from the dead. Well, Martha and Mary are Lazarus's sisters and so they are there and we know from john that they lived in bethany so we can assume that as jesus is on his way he enters a village the village is most likely bethany because that's where martha and mary lived so he comes and and martha swings wide the door and welcomes jesus in um, to come to come in and and enjoy some hospitality to come in for a meal I, I, you notice that word, Martha welcomed him into her house. We remember uh, the the 72 went out and there were, they were to go to different towns and there were towns that would welcome them. And so Martha is someone that welcomes Jesus. She wants Jesus to come into her home. So it's a wonderful characteristic because Martha's going to get a kind of bad rap in this passage, you know. So let's, let's point out the positive here. She welcomes Jesus and she wants and desires to be hospitable and kind to Jesus. So Martha opens the door and, and and Jesus comes in and they are there and, and it's it's fairly um, exciting. Jesus is there. I'm sure the disciples are there as well and um, Lazarus is there and they're listening to Jesus talk. Um, you know, usually when you have company over, you, you want to put on your best face. And so they're probably really trying hard. The house is clean. And the, and Martha really wants to make a killer meal for Jesus. I mean, you know, all the courses, dessert for sure. And, and so there's this this desire for that, that that's here. And we want to put on our best face. But I don't know whether it's her familiarity with Jesus. You know, they've, they've grown accustomed to Jesus. Or it's her... Complete exasperation as what, at what's going to happen, but but what's going to happen at this dinner party is Martha is going to break the whole thing up by kind of exploding in in sort of anger at Martha and and even at Mary, I'm sorry, and at at Jesus as it were. And so, how does it get to this place? You can imagine before Martha speaks that there were probably a lot of you know non-verbal cues going on. It's, it started out as normal and. They listened to Jesus for a little bit and then Martha got up because it was time to get the meal ready. And so she went and she assumed Mary would, would follow her into the kitchen. But Mary did not follow her into the kitchen like a good sister that would help out in the kitchen. And so Martha went to the doorway and... <clears throat> you know, clear her throat a little bit. Mary, it's, you know, it's time to get started here. And Mary did not catch the hint. And so you hear noises from the kitchen. We know this because we've all done it. You know, the cupboards are slamming a little bit harder than normal and bowls are not just being set down, they're kind of being dropped from a little bit of a height so that people know what's going on here. I mean, you just, Martha's back there and she's, Stirring and and whisking and cooking and and cleaning. You know, there's a way to stir and whisk and cook and clean, and then there's a way to stir and whisk and cook and and clean, so that everyone knows that you're stirring and whisking and cooking and cleaning, and and everyone should get the hint that, for crying out loud, someone should come in here and help me with all this stirring and whisking and cooking and and cleaning, and so that the tension is sort of mounting, as it were. And Martha is 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 upset about this whole thing. And Mary does not catch the hint whatsoever. I mean, Mary is there. She's, she's mesmerized, as it were, by the teaching of Jesus. She's sitting there at the Lord's feet, listening to His teaching. This is, in fact, an amazing scene when you understand the cultural context that Mary is sitting at the rabbi's feet. Not just a rabbi, but, but the rabbi, Jesus Himself. This would have never happened in that culture for a woman to be taught these things by Jesus. He's breaking all of the social mores of the time. Jesus to have her sit and to listen to him. Luke always loves to bring this out. He brings out uh, the poor and the stranger and, and women, and he exalts them because that's what, that's what Jesus does, the children. He loves to bring out children and say, children are, are blessed in the kingdom of God. And he says, women are blessed in the kingdom of God. I think we need to take note of that. Jesus doesn't reject Mary and say, no, you're not allowed to sit here and listen, but he, he welcomes her. Let me just say as kind of a side note to men and women, men, we need to recognize that there, there can be sexism in us. There can be a discrimination against women where we think well, we've got this figured out better. We can know more because we're men and we can understand who Jesus is and His teaching better. And we're the ones that really should be you know, sitting and, and listening to what he has to say. We need to beware of that. We need to beware of thinking that the women of God in our church that surround us are unable to learn as much or think as deeply about Scripture as we are. Be careful of that. And women don't fall into the opposite trap of saying, well, I, I'm supposed to, you know, Martha's saying she's, you know, Martha's saying, you need to come here and help me with the serving. The, the, but no, she wants, to, she wants to learn. And God has exalted that, that in Christ there is no Jew or Greek, there is no male or female, but we are all one in Christ. Isn't it amazing that Luke tells us this story? And who are we being taught by? We're being taught by Mary, by Mary's example. This isn't just a passage for women's teas and women's retreats. This is for us guys and gals as well. We need to learn from Mary's example. And Jesus exalts that. And there's this equality within the the family of God. And so I just want to point that out. But, But Martha doesn't see the beauty of this. Martha just sees frustration at the fact that she's doing all this serving and no one is helping her. Her frustration, in fact, actually moves from Mary... Mary, why is Mary not getting up and helping me to Jesus? Why doesn't Jesus recognize that Mary is sitting there and not helping me? Why doesn't Jesus say something? And so she interrupts, as it were, Jesus' teaching. She comes into the room, out of the kitchen, and she says in verse, um, verse 40, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then... To help me. I mean, she is. This she has to be pretty frustrated, right? To think about this scene where everyone's sitting listening to Jesus, and she interrupts the teaching to say, Jesus, tell Mary to come help me. Now, before we look at Jesus' response, let's kind of zoom back out and think about these two characters again. And remember, we're trying to think about this question. What does it look like? What is necessary to love God? What, is Mar- what do Martha's actions and attitudes tell us about how she would answer that question? If you ask Martha the question, "What is necessary to love God, how would she answer that question? We can notice Luke gives us insight into what's going on in Martha's heart, verse forty, but Martha was distracted. she was distracted. And then we see later on, as Jesus talks to her, Jesus knows her heart, he says, "Martha, Martha, you are anxious." And troubled. So, who, what's going on in Martha? She is distracted. She's anxious, and she's troubled. She's just a whirl of emotions. She doesn't know. She's, she's distracted by all the things she needs to do. Maybe she was sitting down at one point, but then she thought, "Well, I got to get up, and I got to make this big meal." And She's distracted, and then she gets anxious, and she's troubled. She's frustrated at the whole situation. Now, I think this can apply to us in life in general about distraction. You know, we're so easily distracted by things. But I, I think specifically it applies to, to our, our walk with, with Christ, our desire to, um, to love God with all our hearts. It applies to that primarily. And we get distracted by the primary thing that we're going to see later. And we get distracted by all the things that we need to do, all of the tasks that we need to accomplish, all of the serving that needs to happen. Is serving bad? No, the word there for serving is actually the same word that we get deacons from. We have deacons in the church for the purpose of serving, and, and we are all to be a part of serving. So is Martha doing something wrong? No, but her heart is that she is distracted from learning from Jesus. She's anxious. She's she's troubled. And I think it comes again from this idea of seeking to do something great for Jesus. She wants to do something to show Her love for God. So she's focusing on all the things that she needs to do. I think Martha is another example of the wise and the understanding. (laughs) of the of the self righteous of the ones that want to justify themselves even as um as the the man who or the expert in the law remember he desired to justify himself and said, "Who is my neighbor?" I think that martha it 's not just that she 's distracted but that she's seeking to justify herself she's seeking to show herself worthy of god's love in this, and the way she 's going to do it is by the things that she does. You kind of get another hint of that because in her heart she's distracted, she's anxious, she's troubled. But in her relationship with, with God, her relationship with, with Jesus, there's there's almost a doubt of his care for her, of his love for her. She feels neglected. So she's trying to, to get Jesus to take notice. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I don't think it's as much, don't you, do you not care what Mary is doing that's wrong? But Lord, do you not care about me, that, that I'm working so hard and no one's helping me? Tell her to help me. She feels neglected by Jesus in this circumstance. So often that's that's what our love for God springs from. We we think, I'm doing all these things for God. And I just feel like He doesn't notice it. He doesn't see all the things, all the hard work that I'm putting in. Does God see how hard I'm working? Because my life doesn't feel blessed in the way that I think it should be. and I'm, I'm working really hard here. And then like classic religion, she says, Tell her then to help me. So I've set this list of things that I need to do, and if I'm doing this, and everyone else needs to be doing it. If this is the way to make God happy, and I'm doing this, then what's she doing sitting on the floor over there? She needs to get up and get work in here, because I'm working. This is what happens so often with us. If we, if we turn love for God into a laundry list of things that we need to do, the way that I love God is by all the tasks that I do. And we're, I mean, we're working, we are anxious, we're troubled, we're distracted. And we notice that someone else in the church or who claims to be a Christian isn't anxious and troubled and distracted. We say, well, why aren't they anxious and troubled and distracted? They need to make sure that they're anxious and troubled and distracted. And so they need to be doing the things that I'm doing. Jesus, bring her in on this because I'm, I shouldn't be the only one that's having to worry about this. She's she's distracted. She's confused. She, she doesn't understand the love of God for her. She thinks that Jesus doesn't care, and she thinks that you know this. There's this misery loves company sort of attitude. Tell her to come and help me. She needs to come. And we she's imposing her standards on Mary. So again, if we ask Martha, what is necessary to love God, Martha? What's necessary to love God? I think she would say, well, it's what we do. The way we love God is by all the things that we do. That's how we show God that we love Him, is we just do, 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 do. We serve all the time. What about Mary? Ask Mary that question. What's necessary, Mary, to love God? What what do we get the picture of Mary? Mary doesn't talk at all, does she? The only description we have is, is verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. What's Mary doing? She's sitting and she's listening. That's all she's doing. There's a humility there. She desires to learn. There's, there's a. I thought about, I know Joel often talks about what's necessary for a disciple. You need to be available. You need to be teachable. We need to be humble, available, and teachable. And I really see in Mary uh, that childlike faith that we've been talking about. Just this humility. remember last week we said there's a way to hear the command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. There's two ways to hear that. There's the way to hear it that that Martha hears it. Love the Lord your God. Okay? Here's all the things I need to do to show that I love the Lord my God. Here's my list of things to do. And then I think there's the way that Mary hears it. To love God. What is that going to look like? It's probably going to look like me sitting at his feet and just listening to everything that he has, that he says. Uh, this this desire to to be near him, to listen to him, to to learn from him, to to grow in my relationship and understanding who Jesus is. That's what it's going to look like to love him, to be available to to hear him and to to be teachable, to to want my life to be in line with what he says, is is to happen. To be humble before him. So if we ask Mary what's necessary to love God, she would say, well. You love Him. You, you, you want to be near Him. You want to listen to Him. You want to learn from Him. Now here's the danger. is We pit Martha and Mary against each other. And, and we come to the conclusion that, okay, well, we know who Jesus is going to commend. He's going to commend Mary. And so the, the point then is, we all need to live lives of contemplation. The best What Jesus wants us to do is to sit in our house and just read our Bibles all the time and listen to Him and, and service is out the window. And and we we think well we should become monks and nuns and devote our lives to contemplation maybe we can get one of those poles that you sit on or we can find a cave somewhere we can go sit in and just that's what God wants is just to sit at His feet and the way we would sit at His feet is to, to be in word in in scripture and in prayer but I'll tell you what I'm I, I grew up in an American culture and you I I got some sympathy for Martha because there's some things that need to be done you know <laughs> there's stuff that has to happen the meal has to be made. Someone's got to do it. So is it the serving that's wrong? I don't think it's the serving that's wrong. It's this heart attitude. Remember, she's anxious. She's she's troubled. She's doubting the love of God. She's, she's imposing standards on other people. It's a self-righteousness. That's that's the issue. So the issue, that, that what I want you to walk away with is not to say, well, I should never serve. What I should do is just... Read my Bible or, or I, you know, listen to sermons all the time. But just coming to church, that's enough. There's no need for me to do any kind of service. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. He's trying to get at the heart, which is what he always does. So how does Jesus respond? What does he say? Mary has, Martha has this outburst. The Lord answered her in verse 41. Martha, Martha. I love that. He's just Martha, Martha. <laughs> you know we don't. What Jesus doesn't do is say, "Oh man, I didn't notice Mary sitting there. Mary, get up, help your sister. Come on." No, he says, "Martha, Martha." You can almost see Jesus taking her by the shoulders. It's this. It's this friendship. It's this love. It's it's compassion. She is exasperated. Just think, you know, you've had, we've had those moments, the family gathering, where you, you get so fed up with something that you have this outburst, and then you, you wish you didn't. Oh man, why did I say that? But you're so angry, and then Jesus comes and He says, Martha, Martha, calm down. Jesus comes to us with compassion. He always comes with compassion. Maybe you are Martha. You've, the way I love God is by all the things that I do for Him. It's all the activities that I'm involved in in church, it's all of the the ways that I minister to other people. I am Martha. Jesus comes to us lovingly and says, "Martha, Martha." He comes. He says, "Andy, Andy, you are so distracted. You are so anxious. You are so troubled about many things. You see that, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Just many things. It's just all these things that." Just so many different things. Think about all the dishes that she was preparing. This has got to be a great meal for Jesus. All the, all the different kinds of food that we're going to provide for him. And he says, but, but one thing is necessary. Just just one thing. And Mary has chosen the good portion. Some people say that that idea there Mary has chosen the good portion is Mary has chosen the, the better dish. She's chosen the, the one plate of food that's really necessary. Martha's so concerned about all the different kinds of things that she wants to uh, give to Jesus. And Mary, Mary's just picked the one thing. There's just one thing. Just one thing that you need to worry about, Martha. And what is it? It's, it's sitting at the Lord's feet. It's listening to His teaching. And, and He says here, which will not be taken away from her. I'm not going to take your standard, Martha, and impose it on Mary. She is doing what is right, what is good. She's doing the better thing. Love for God is not seen most clearly in our activity. Love for God is seen most clearly in sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to Him, and learning from Him. Listening to Jesus. You remember that theme here in the book of Luke? Have we seen that a few times? There's there's a way to hear and there's a way to hear. There's a way to hear the words of Jesus, and there's a way to hear the words of Jesus. And you remember we watched that whole progression of who is Jesus? All the different questions that were answered. He's the Lord of creation. He's the Lord over demons. He's the Lord over disease. He's the Lord over death. And then we finally get to the transfiguration, and, and, and the, the Father from heaven answers the question, who is Jesus, and what's he say? He says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then the conclusion is, listen to him. So God says, listen to him. There's this emphasis that what we need to do more than anything else is listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. One thing is necessary. I love that one thing is necessary. Because I I am a list, I am a default list sort of Christian. I am a Martha. If I'm anxious and busy about many things, then I feel holy. Then I feel like... That I'm loving God more because of all the things that I am doing for Him. I find it hard to be merry. It's hard to just sit, to listen, and to learn from Jesus. But what does that really look like? What What is this sitting and listening? Again, it's not just passive. I, I think about it in two ways. Uh, the, the, the first is that the, that the priority is to hear from Jesus. The priority in our lives is to hear from Jesus, to, to know what his agenda for our lives is. What is he telling us to do? Not what is Martha telling me to do, not what is my own self righteous idea of what it means to love God telling me to do, but what is Jesus telling me to do? And the beauty of our faith is that we have been given God's word that that is our opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear from him. We can hear from we can hear from Jesus. Even this morning, as we open up God's word, we're hearing from Jesus. He's, he's speaking to us. He's, he's telling us truth. This is not just some other book. And so when when you hear all the time the, the application to a sermon is, well, you need to read your Bible. That, that's because listening to Jesus is kind of the one thing that we're really supposed to do. If you want to love God, listen to Jesus. And how do we listen to Jesus? Through His Word. Why do we want you to come to church? Just because we want to steal a couple hours on Sunday morning? No, because we want you to listen to Jesus. I love our church because we don't have a ton of activities. We don't have a ton of programs. Because what our focus has got to be is making sure that people listen to Jesus, that that they hear the words of Jesus, that we understand Scripture, not so we get big heads. That's, that's, I think, the other part. So we need to listen to Jesus. But did Mary never do any acts of service for Jesus? Is that all she does? No. But the, the service flows out of listening to Jesus. So if we listen to Jesus, then we understand His priorities, what He truly wants us to do. And so often He shatters what our list is. He shatters Martha's list. He says, Martha, you're doing all this stuff, just one. You almost. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, we don't need seven courses, Martha. You know, there's a time for feasting. Right now, if you can just bring some chips and salsa, that'll suffice for now. And let's focus on the teaching, because this is what's most important. The meal is not as important. We make so many other things in, in service to God more important. And Jesus is, is saying, just wait, listen to me first. Let's start here. Listen to me And the service is going to flow out of that. Because my priorities are going to come out. If we listen to his word, then we say, Oh, that's what I should be focusing on. We look back at the Good Samaritan. Jesus is obviously not saying don't do anything. He just told us to love our neighbor, to do anything for anyone. But what flows is when we listen to Jesus, we hear the Good Samaritan, and we say, Oh, that's what he wants me to do when I see people in need to help them. And that is love and service to God. I think that for us as believers, we fall into the trap of the Galatians. You remember the Galatians? Paul says, having begun by the Spirit, are you now going to be made perfect by the flesh? That we receive the gospel as by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, not by works of the law, and then we flip it on its head and we say, but in order to stay in that, in order to really love God, I need to do the works of the law, I need to do all these different things. He said, no, you began by the Spirit. Stick with the Spirit. Let the Spirit tell you what to do. Don't make a list that's unnecessary. I think this is... I'll be honest. I'm just wrestling totally with exactly who Martha and Mary are representing. But I really think it comes back to this idea of of loving God. And again, service is not bad because there is a service that God calls us to do. And service in areas is going to flow out of devotion to listening to Jesus. So... If you want to love God, let's start by listening to Jesus. That that's that's where it's all going to flow out of. So we make God's word a priority. We make times in God's word like Sunday mornings, like like Sunday school, like being in a small group. We're not we're not just trying to get big heads. We just we really want to listen to Jesus. We want to know what Jesus wants us to do. We gather together and we pray. Why? Because we want to listen to Jesus. As a church, we've been here, like I said, for a couple years now. We want to know, what does Jesus want us to do? Let's listen and see what he wants us to do. How can we best serve our community? I can give you a list of things to do, but what does Jesus want us to do? That's where we need to start. And don't begin by the Spirit and then be perfected by the flesh. I think this is good news too for those of you that maybe have never come to faith in Christ. Jesus doesn't give us a list of things to do. He says, listen to me. And there's, there's just one thing that's necessary. One thing. To, to listen to me. To have faith in me. To trust me. Jesus doesn't say, the way to come to me is by doing. He says, the way to come to me is to realize that Jesus has done everything. Everything. That he came and he he saw us in our sin and we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And he comes and he lives the life we cannot. And he dies in our place. He takes the penalty for our sin upon himself so that we can then walk in him, so that we can love him. He doesn't ask anything of us except that we would repent and believe in him alone. Mary shows up later. When we think about Mary, I think most often what we think about Mary of Bethany. The tough thing about scriptures is so many Marys, we got to distinguish which Mary is is which. But Mary shows up in John chapter 12. And I find it interesting to link these two ideas. Think about Mary sitting there listening to Jesus, trying to understand who he is and what he would have her to do. And then near the end of Jesus's life, in the final week, of his life in john chapter 12 we read this six days before the passover jesus therefore came to bethany where lazarus was whom jesus had raised from the dead so we're back in bethany we're there with martha and mary so they gave a dinner for him there martha served (laughs) Kind of interesting, isn't it? Martha served. I I think she did it with a better heart, I hope. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore, so Mary's here, verse 3, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. Everyone's trying to stop Mary, aren't they? Judas is trying to stop Mary. Martha's trying to stop Mary. But Jesus is always saying, Leave her alone. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it. For the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you. But you do not always have me. Mary got something that I think the disciples didn't. The Judas obviously didn't, and and Martha was hopefully learning at this point, but I, I don't know. It says here, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. I just wonder if Mary, in listening to Jesus, actually figured out what the disciples didn't. That she actually understood this whole idea that Jesus was going to die and rise again. That she was tuned into it because she was so focused on listening. But what I also find interesting is that Mary does do something. There is service to God here, but what kind of service is it? It's service that flows out of love it's not a service that's flowing out of duty like Martha's was. Here's how God how I love God that God will love me by the things that I do. But Mary's service is worship to God. Her service comes out as a as a pleasing aroma and it's and it's extravagant. It's 300 denarii. Last week we said 2 denarii was enough to keep a guy in a hotel for at least 2 weeks if not 2 months. This perfume was worth 300 denarii Mary didn't just sit at Jesus' feet and was just passive but she gave everything that she had to the service of Jesus but she knew how to do it because she sat and she listened and she understood and that service would flow out of love so one thing if we want to love God is the one thing that's necessary listen to Jesus start there don't start with the list. Start with listening to Jesus. Let Him set the agenda. And then our service to Him is going to flow out of out of love. Not out of legalism. Not out of seeking to, to make Him happy. Not out of the things that we think are most important. But the things that Jesus says are most important. So let's be like Mary. Let's learn from her. And let's just do one thing. I encourage you this week to say, You know what? It's one thing i got to do. One thing. I want to love God this week and I only need to do one thing to do that. I need to listen to Jesus.